podcast is brought to you by Liberate My OCD Fighter, an initiative by Ms. Kajal Gupta based out of her personal experience with obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. The aim of this podcast is to further conversation around mental health and give you a deep insight into the personal stories of people struggling with mental health disorders. For this week, I'm your host, Shatapa. And right off the bat, I'd like to mention that I'm aware for how long Liberate Voices has been off the hook. But don't worry, we are back with fresh episodes every Sunday. Now, for this episode, I have a wonderful guest speaker for you. Would she like to introduce herself? Oh uh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> so I'm Crystal. I'm 16 and I've been struggling with OCD for the past 2-3 years. Um but I have been uh, showing symptoms since I was around 10. Right, and uh, Crystal has been kind enough to share her mental health journey with us today. She's going to be talking about various aspects, such as the role her family played in her diagnosis, relapses during recovery, and trigger warning her relationship with self harm. Um, also, if at any point of the video, or uh, sorry, podcast, um, you feel a little uncomfortable by the topic being discussed, then feel free to you know drop off or take a break or anything that feels comfortable to you, because we need you to prioritize your mental health as. um content discussed can get a little graphic sensitive etc um also all views expressed in this podcast are our personal opinions and perspectives um kindly do not take any information being discussed as general advice or knowledge because um we are not professionals and we are not qualified to do that so yeah keeping all of this in mind let's get started So um Crystal would you like to tell us about um how did you come to know about your diagnosis the involvement of your family and i mean how was the process for you like okay so i was around 14 years old 13 14 years old when i was diagnosed um my mom was the one who wanted me to start going to therapy i always sort of knew that something was wrong with me because i behaved in certain ways that people around me didn't behave in and that was like very clear to me i had a very weird habit of counting in my head like backwards from 10 and there's a huge story behind it which uh, about the counting which i don't want to get into but i always knew that i saw sort of there was something um wrong with the way i was behaving mm-hmm. and uh, i got diagnosed in my second therapy uh, therapy session and i honestly had a very different idea of what ocd was so i feel like when she explained it to me i was like this makes so much more sense than what i was told about ocd so i do feel like there's a lot of misinformation about ocd out there yeah definitely i think um, when people are constantly equating ocd to you know being obsessed with cleaning and keeping organized uh, i don't think people realize how difficult it can be for people who are actually going through that to kind of even realize that it might be ocd that i'm going through so that is true like trivializing something like this has a lot of adverse effects for people who actually are going through that yeah like um, before i went to therapy actually um, me and one of my my friends and i we sort of sat down and we sort of were like okay what disorder can you have it was like supposed to be this fun thing and mm-hmm. i they diagnosed me with bpd bipolar personality disorder so i and then like we were obviously way off the hook because we are not professionals we don't know what we are talking <laughs> about yeah you know yeah so i do think that a lot of misinformation about mental health is out there and mental disorders is out there and i feel like self diagnosing is 
not that is like something that you should not do yeah you know like yeah so like don't self diagnose like that's my advice to everyone who's like listening right now don't self diagnose trust me you'll be like way off the hook like you'll be struggling with something you'll diagnose yourself with something else and make things very complicated for you yeah that that makes sense actually and um yeah like would you want to talk about um the involvement of your family in your diagnosis yeah i'm going to be very honest families in india or at least where i live are not capable of capable of knowing how to treat and how to take care of a child who struggles with a mental disorder i don't think they're equipped to any extent and i do think that something needs to be done on this because my family's involvement in my mental disorder did nothing but make it worse for me personally right mm. so i feel like a huge part is like and i'm not here to excuse like my parents behavior and all because i feel like that's very common because at the end of the day their behavior had a lot of unfavorable consequences i think parents need to sort of number one remove the stigma around ocd and therapy in general they need to stop making the children feel ashamed of going to therapy and they need to stop telling the children that hey don't tell people that you're going to therapy because that's how you create stigma around it which is often passed down from people to people and it's extremely harmful yeah makes sense i mean having a supportive family can make the process so much easier and like even i think it affects the relationship um like a person has with their own mental you know like mental health diagnosis i mean if a family if like people around them are supportive i think they are much more likely to view it in a you know in a much healthier way like they exactly. feel that you know the perceived um social support can definitely kind of empower them to um yeah. deal with it better but uh, definitely i think uh, it's unfortunate that we have so much stigma and i'm really sorry that you had to go through that yeah i think a huge part of what my family did was sort of i would say reduce my disorder to something a lot of people have they would tell me about like statistics about how so many people you know struggle with ocd and it's not a big and how it's not supposed to be a big deal but in reality i think that for other people while it might just be a statistic or something that's very common for me it had ruined years of my life like literally years it like ruined and i think it's a very idiotic way of trying to comfort your child like hey every what buddy has to you know disorder yeah. like that's yeah. not how you comfort your child <laughs> Exactly. I mean, imagine, uh, like getting a positive result of COVID, and then somebody telling you that. But hey, like everybody is getting it. So, yeah. but how yeah. how is that supposed to make your experience uh, somehow better? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of them are very uneducated, and I'm going to blame it to them because even they didn't have resources and all. Like, for me, I can just Google things up and I have resources through which I can educate and unlearn, which is something our parents, unfortunately, didn't have. You know, they didn't have the resource to, like, open Google up and be like, how to deal with a kid who has a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. So I do think that this generation can bring about the change as in we definitely have more resources. Yeah, that that makes sense. And, um, like, so... how else like what else so apart from the unsupportive nature like how do you think that impacted you well for one it made me not open up to my parents a lot so i feel like when you're struggling with a mental disorder you are sort of going through a lot obviously you know you are 
seeing people like you're seeing a wall like in OCD you see sort of the wall in a very different way in my case especially mm-hmm. and it was getting like extremely sort of burdening and I couldn't share that with like anyone because like you see a therapist like once a week and you meet her maybe for like one hour okay so you're like for the remaining time you do need someone you can talk to you do need someone who can sort of support you and I feel like uh, talking to someone even if it's not a therapist is very important like even if it's a normal person who's not you know a therapist or educated enough mm-hmm. talking helps a lot or at least it helped it sort of helps me so I feel like not having a supportive family sort of took that away from me you know because I knew that the response wasn't going to be one which I like I knew the response was only going to make me feel even worse about myself and about what I'm going through so I do think my family did take away a source of comfort from me by being so unsupportive right that's a very difficult situation to be in and um, yeah like especially with having people around you who don't really get um, you <laughs> you know like if even if you try to explain you know your compulsive behaviors or your obsession to somebody they might just be like oh but like how is counting a big deal you know you can just not do it and that's something I like told a lot it's like ignore the thoughts I think a huge uh, like I remember this one incident where basically I was crying about the fact that I was thinking that the train I'm going to be traveling in was about to crash and that is something that I was literally crying about. Like, oh my God, the train I'm going to like travel by is going to, uh, you know, get derailed and it's going to crash. Mm-hmm. And I remember crying about it in the station. And my mom looked at me and she goes, everyone has negative thoughts. You need to ignore it. But it wasn't as easy as like just ignoring the thought that you're going to die if you enter the train. Yeah, that that is that is a hard situation to be in. And like, I think this is what we need to do, like, you know, be more sensitive to all this and provide a safe space for people who who need this, you know, and um, I'm really sorry that, you know, our parents, sometimes they really, I mean, they mean well, but it just doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like parents need to sort of let go of the ego when it comes to mental disorder. I feel like ego and I'm right plays a huge part in how parents treat and view children and listen to children who do struggle with mental disorder. Yeah, like this, um, you know, this will to unlearn is something which I think, um, <laughs> like even we as a generation are working on it, but definitely there's a lot of stigma and a lot of, I think, strongly held beliefs, which exactly. um, they need to yeah. go, let go of. Yeah. Yeah, like even with my friends and all, not all of them were extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them weren't as helpful as they could have been, obviously. But they're like kids. Like, they are my age. They have their own problems, their own issues. I don't expect perfect support from them. But I do expect sort of good support from the people who sort of raised me. You know, like, I feel like you can't expect a lot out of your friends who they are 16 as well. Or in my case, they were 14. Like, what can you expect from them? Maybe, like, people who are in their 30s who've gone through their own difficulties I think you can expect a bit more from them yeah and um, do you think like this um, trigger warning um, we are going to be addressing a topic which might make people uncomfortable so uh, you might um, you know think of uh, stop like you know you could stop listening to the podcast Uh, we're going to be talking about trigger warning self-harm 
um so like crystal would you like to tell us i mean um how did how did you know how did you come across like the idea of self harm and you know what was your relationship with that okay so media had a huge play in uh, my journey with health self harm uh, in the sense that kids my age are like brought up with media from everywhere in a very accessible way like you want to see something you can see it like you want to read something you can you know read it and there's barely any censorship there is barely any um sort of i would say like like an age limit like even if you as a 14 year old are not supposed to view something you can still very easily view it true true yeah so i feel like oh okay, this is going to sound really stupid but when i was in grade 6 and this was before my diagnosis this was 3 years before my diagnosis I came across this fan fiction and I used to be a huge twilight I used to be like a huge twilight fan that time okay oh, yeah okay I read a, a fan fiction where Bella is self farming and was like this huge romanticized thing in the story where like everyone loves her is trying to protect her cares about her this was something I couldn't relate to because as I told you I didn't have supportive parents in like in general you know my mom has had anger issues my dad was like not there like he was like extremely busy with work as well you know so that very notion that someone will care enough about you that mm-hmm. you know that they'll care about you and they'll care about the fact that you're still farming was sort of like extremely romanticized to me mm. right that they they packaged it in such a romanticized way that yeah. you kind of almost seemed attracted to it like I wouldn't say attracted to it because I didn't start self farming for like three years. I started self farming three years ago, and I started reading about uh, self farming when I was uh, six years back. Okay. So okay. there's sort of like a time limit to like there was sort of like a time like a gap between when I read about it and when I sort of saw it and started doing it myself. Right, but there was an association. Yeah, there most definitely was. I feel like when you're brought up with such romanticized media around you like in any case like even when it comes to depression or bpd or suicide there's so much of romanticized shit you know a romanticization of it everywhere mm-hmm. that you don't genuinely realize how harmful and how disturbing and traumatizing it can be until you experience it yourself true yeah so um like anything else that you'd like to say Uh, I would like to just say, like, self harm isn't like a really good option. Like, it's not an option. It shouldn't be on a list, no matter what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this as someone who does not have an access to therapists in my current scenario, as someone who doesn't have access to meds in my current yeah. scenario. Self harm yeah. isn't an option. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. is. That's true. Like, it's very brave of you to, you know, um, say that because I think, um. like i haven't been in this position so i don't know like um you know how much i can talk about this but i think definitely um no matter how like dark a situation gets i think just if you have somebody to remind you and you have yourself to remind you that you know help is out there and um i mean of course the inaccessibility part is a very very unfortunate thing but help is out there i mean there there yeah. is help and um self harm is something which definitely yeah. is not going to solve uh, anything yeah like for example like for me self harm sort of became a way of helping myself and i became desperate 
uh, first time I'm like, I became desperate to cut myself. I uh, trigger warning. I'll go into a bit of details, but I basically used to cut myself with scissors and sharp objects. Mm. Okay, and one of my cuts got a bit too deep, mm. and sort of that's when I sort of got scared, and I was like, "Shit, I need to stop now." So it wasn't like I didn't call it a suicide attempt to be very honest because it was unintentional. I didn't know what like I didn't know that it's not deep cut hoga to be very honest. So I wouldn't call it a suicide attempt, but but like sort of seeing what I had like done to myself was like a huge part of okay, you need to stop now. Like it might seem like a very good escape, and it might seem like a very uh I know helpful thing to do, but it's very temporary and. Uh, but the relief you get from self harming is very temporary but the consequences of it can be extremely long lasting right right hmm that that makes sense and uh, i mean how is your uh, if you would be comfortable answering this like how is your relationship with self harm now uh now it's much better in the sense that i don't self harm anymore um I really don't consider self harming anymore. Like even when I'm in a bad place, I really don't look to self harm. Right. And so that yeah, go ahead. So I feel like that's like an improvement that, like I know it's an option out there. Like there are scissors in my house, you know, there are knives in the kitchen. But the fact that I don't even consider it to be an option anymore is like I feel like a major improvement from three years back where I was self harming regularly, multiple times a day. Yeah, definitely. I think you've come a long way in that aspect. I have, yeah, yeah. And um, like, what is it? If there's one thing, like, you could, um, I mean, where do you see yourself? Like, uh, you know, your relationship with OCD, your relationship, you know, with your diagnosis, self harm. Like, where would you want to, you know, get? I like to sort of get to a time when I'm not scared of relapses because. my relationship with relapses has been like i sort of built myself up from scratch and then i like fell down again it's been sort of traumatizing in the sense that my relapses had huge gaps in the last two years i used to be uh, doing extremely fine extremely all right for four months and then i'll have a relapse and then again the cycle of being okay for four months having another relapse so like every time i would reach a certain point of i'm okay but then it would come crashing down mm-hmm. so picking myself up from that point of i am going to be okay again is sort of difficult and even now i'm constantly live in fear that i'll sell, that i'll have a relapse again yeah so you kind of um want to overcome that fear that fear that you know that i won't relapse and even if i am on the verge of having a relapse i'll be able to stop it makes sense and i wish you all the best um i think with this we kind of come to the end of the podcast um is there anything else that you'd like to address crystal oh uh, yeah i do think parents if they are watching this or listening to this for some odd reason i think you all <laughs> should sort of educate yourself this might be coming off really strong but i sort of think you all need to let go of your ego and you need to talk to your children and you need to listen to your children yeah. okay and by listening i don't mean that you like listen and you just forget about it i mean you need to listen and you need to stop caring about the world things because when your child is not doing okay i don't really think you should care about what paroski auntie will say yeah definitely that's that's a message which should literally reach um every parent actually yeah. and um yeah
and my other advisors don't self harm and don't self diagnose like none of like those two options will help you i promise you that from experience of like three years i promise you that it won't help you um thank you so much crystal um this was this was amazing and i'd like to really really appreciate um you know your decision to come forward and talk about such such personal things um and yeah thank you so much thank you for giving me a platform to speak about my experiences with ocd um so yeah uh, with this i think we come to the end of this podcast uh, tune in every sunday for new episodes this was crystal with her experience um of ocd um and we talked about relapses involvement of family and as well as trigger warning self harm so um yeah um see you next week then and thank you crystal thank you for giving me a platform